the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. By Kettering Baptist Church. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. I want to invite your attention on this morning to Romans chapter 8 and also Luke chapter 2. In Romans chapter 8, we'll begin reading at verse 1, and in Luke chapter 2, we'll begin reading at verse 21. The word of the Lord reads as follows. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And also in Luke chapter two, beginning at verse 21, the word of the Lord reads as follows. And when. Eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child. His name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Amen. Father, I bless you on this morning and I thank you for your grace. I pray even now, Heavenly Father, that you would speak clearly through these lips of clay words, Lord God of life, words of encouragement, words of reconciliation. Spirit of the Lord, though my body is weak, I know that in you I am strong. And so I surrender my vessel to be used by you, Lord, for your eternal purposes, that you might declare your word with clarity and conviction, that you would allow my mind clarity of thought. And Lord, that all that is done and all that is said and all that transpires might bring glory and honor to your name. It's for your name's sake that we've come and, and we depend on in this morning for the opportunity and occasion of preaching. So have your way, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray and I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin examination on this morning and probably use as primary premise the Romans passage. Skip back over to 
Luke for a little bit and then back to Romans. But primary premise here in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul makes what I believe and I feel is an enormously profound statement that I'm not sure that we understand and we have really been hit with the magnitude of the statement. And that statement is this, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Now watch this, as I read this, I'm hit with the weightiness of that statement because when I think of the fact that I have been freed from the penalty of God's courtroom for any and all sin. And because of Christ, I have no condemnation. In other words, I cannot be condemned in the courtroom of God for any sin that I commit because of Christ. Let me paint you a picture. You go into the court, and when you go into court, the judge who's been sitting on that bench, who has all the authority to send you to jail for life, cannot condemn you because of Jesus. Y'all catching it? There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, all of this is brought about and all the benefit that we enjoy is all because of a gift that was given in the form of Christ Jesus. I want to talk from the subject matter, a son sent for sinful flesh. What Paul says here, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, in verse number three, I believe it is, he says, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. My first point is that God sent him in the likeness of sinful flesh. God sent Jesus not in sinful flesh but in the likeness, in the similitude, in the comparativeness of sinful flesh. Because of sin, there were requirements that God had in order for man to be reconciled to God. God laid down, Exodus chapter 20, a set of laws. And if you go through the book of Exodus and even through the book of Leviticus, you'll see all the laws and the requirements that God has laid down for man because of his sin that he might even be able to have any kind of relationship with God at all. He also had a lot of other things that were going on. If you look at chapter 21 of Luke chapter 2, it says, And when the eight days were completed, for the circumcision of the child. Now, stop right there. The child that we're talking about here in the text is Jesus. Part of the law was every male child that breaks the womb is holy to me. And the child needs seven days of purification. On the eighth day, bring the child and circumcise the child. Now, the circumcision in Israel represented the peeling away of reproach or the removing of sin. Remember what I said, Jesus came or God sent him in the likeness of sinful flesh, not in sinful flesh. But because he came in the likeness, he also had to walk through the law issues of sinful flesh. So even as a child, first of all, what God does is he limits himself in flesh. But watch this, in flesh, he also submits himself to circumcision. Every child born after Adam needed circumcision because they had reproach. 
They had sin that was passed on from generation to generation. But Jesus had no sin. So in the likeness of sinful flesh, he was circumcised in the same manner that every other Jew was. The text goes on and says, and the name that was given to him was given to him before he was even conceived. In the likeness of sinful flesh. The pattern, the process of sinful man was to utilize some name of the family and pass it on from generation to generation. And usually the firstborn child would either get the father's name or some similitude of the family's name and is connected somehow through the family. But when Jesus comes, he's not named after Joseph. Even though he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. The naming process of Jesus is in the same naming process of sinful flesh. Sinful flesh names after the father and in the line of the family. And guess what? He gets a name before he's conceived. Because it indicates he's deity and not human. And because Joseph wasn't his father, he got a name that attached him to heaven. And a name that said he is the anointed one. His name said what he came to do, take away the sins of the world. Now, let me back up to circumcision just for a moment. The process of circumcision, one, it removed the reproach of sin, but also it connected Israel to the covenantal relationship that God had with Abraham. But watch this. In the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus goes through circumcision and the naming process in the same way that all the Israel did, even though he had no sin and the covenant that he is expressing that he's entering into, he established the covenant himself. So it was him who established the covenant with Abraham, but in the form of sinful flesh, he goes through the law processes to fulfill all the requirements of the law because the law itself was too weak to do it. But in the likeness of sinful flesh, Jesus came, was circumcised. In order for sin to be forgiven, you had to shed blood. In order to enter into covenant, you had to shed blood. Jesus came, brought perfect flesh, and let perfect flesh shed blood so that sin could be forgiven and covenant could be established. After the circumcision and the naming Verse number 22, it says, now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, was complete, they brought him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male child who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And an offering shall be given an account with this presentation. On the eighth day, the child was named and circumcised. And 33 days after the child's purification, which the child's purification was seven days, and 33 days was the woman's purification if she had a male child. If she had a female child, I think it's 66 days. So now 40 days after the child is born is brought to be presented to the Lord as holy in the form of sinful flesh. After all the patterns of the law and the law and the law, Jesus is walking through and submitting himself as a baby to all the issues of the law because what he's literally doing is fulfilling the law. And so when he goes through this process, the process is bring him to the house of the Lord. He's the firstborn. Present him to God as holy. Now watch this. This is the first time ever 
that a child is brought to the temple of God and presented as holy, and he is holy. Even with all the other bloodshed and all the other stuff that had happened, it still didn't make the child holy. It was just procedural. One of the requirements was when you bring the child to present him to the Lord, you need to bring an offering and have a sacrifice before you present him. Now, the sacrifice that you were to bring, according to Leviticus chapter 12, was you either brought a lamb, or if you couldn't afford a lamb, you bring pigeons or turtle doves. But watch this. When they brought Jesus, they didn't need a lamb because he was the lamb. He was the offering that satisfied the requirement of the law. He came in the form of sinful flesh. Y'all still here with me? Now let me jump you back to Romans because what I'm trying to show you is Jesus is fulfilling everything where the law was too weak to accomplish. The law couldn't do it, but Jesus did it. And in the process, I want you to understand he was sent for that purpose. Romans chapter 8 verse number 3, it says that not only did God send him in the likeness of sinful flesh, but on account of sin, he was sent. It was because of sinful flesh that God sent Jesus into the world in the first place. That's the whole reason. Now, Pastor, how do you know that? Because all the way back when sin first entered the world, Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve in the garden. Y'all remember that, right? And she took the fruit, ate it, gave it to her husband who was with her. And he ate too. And their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked. They were hiding from God. God comes in the cool of the day and says, Adam, what have you done? And Adam said, it was that woman you gave me. And he said to the woman, woman, what have you done? And she said it was a serpent. You see, name calling and name blaming, it didn't just start here and now. People have been blaming each other and other folks for a long time. In that time when God now says, okay, I'm going to bring judgment on you as a result of you allowing sin in. He comes to the woman, your joy in childbearing is now going to turn to sorrow. And your desire shall be for your husband, that is for his position, for his authority. Now to the husband, you're now not going to just have to tend the garden, but thorns and thistles are going to grow up in the garden. And you're going to now have to earn your living by the sweat of your brow. It was easy, but because of sin, now it's got to be a job. Then to the serpent, he says, you're going to crawl on your belly and eat dust for the remainder of your days. And this is all as a result of sin entering the world. And at that time of sin entering the world, God gives what I call a deistic theological prophecy by saying to the serpent, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head, but you shall bruise his heel. What God was saying there when sin first entered the world is that I'm going to send my son because of sin. I'm going to send my son into the world to crush your head, Satan, because of sin. And so he came into the world on the account of sin. But that doesn't stop there because we're talking about an unlimited God who is everywhere at the same time who is all-encompassing. He's not just everywhere. He's in everything, over everything, through everything. And he has limited himself to the confines of the body of a baby. The whole process of doing that is on the account of sin. He not only limits himself, but when he's circumcised, his circumcision is on the account of sin. His naming is on the account of sin. His suffering was on the account of sin. 
when he went to the garden of Gethsemane and he prayed an agonizing prayer it was all because of your sin and my sin everything that he did and all that he went through when he healed the sick and raised the dead it wasn't just so that you would know he was a miracle worker it was so that we would know he is God who takes away sin and when he went to the cross it was on the account of sin when they whipped him all night long when they ripped the flesh off his body when they placed the crown of thorns on his head it was all on the account of sin when he bled, suffered, and died, when he gave up his ghost and said, Father, it is finished, into thine hands I commend my spirit. It is done. It is finished. It was all on the account of sin. When they put him in a borrowed tomb, it was because of sin. When he got up the third day with all power, it was on the account of sin. His mission. His assignment was on the account of sin. It was to redeem man, to set the relationship with God and man right again. But watch this, Romans chapter 8, verse 3. It says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That's the last movement. God sent him to condemn sin in the flesh. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What this is not saying is that you can be in Christ Jesus and walk according to the flesh. But what he's really saying is when you're in Christ Jesus, you're no longer walking according to the flesh. In other words, you've been transferred to another plateau. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. See, we were all under the law of sin and death. But once Christ came, we're now born again Christians under the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So in order for that to happen, something had to be fulfilled. Something had to transition us in the place that we were once under the law of sinful man, which sin and death. But now we're under a new law, which is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And so what God had to do, he had to send his son so that he could take and condemn sin in the flesh. Verse number four says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. God had to make it possible so that in us the righteous requirements could be fulfilled. God set a righteous requirement in Romans chapter 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death. What Christ did was he came in the form of sinful flesh. But his flesh wasn't sinful because his mama was human, but his daddy who brought the blood was not. So he came in the form of sinful flesh and he went through and for 33 years lived a life and satisfied all the requirements of the law, fulfilling the law at every point. 
Then what he did, after he's fulfilled all the requirements of the law in this pure, unsin-stained vessel, he says, now I need to take sin and condemn sin to the flesh. In other words, flesh has to pay for sin. And so what he did was he says, Father, not my will, but let your will be done. And what begins to happen, he now begins to take on everybody's sin into this unsin-stained vessel that has fulfilled all the law. And he begins to absorb and wipe up and suck up all the sins that you've committed, all the sins that I've committed, all the sins that will be committed. And he begins to take it all into himself. Not only the sins that you've already done, but because he was an unlimited God in terms of time, he walked ahead of you and said, I'll take that too and put it on me. Put it in the vessel. But then God the Father says, there's a penalty to pay. Death says, you owe me a body. Help me, Holy Ghost. The Satan says, you can't keep living in the vessel with all that sin. Jesus said, take me to the cross and in my flesh crucify me. Because the flesh had to pay the righteous requirement that God had put on a sin-stained body. And it was there at the cross that the serpent showed back up and bruised his heel. Somebody thought he was down for good, but he was just there to pay a debt that we owed. And so they crucified him, buried him in a borrowed tomb, and he took all of the sin, gathered it up in his body, took it to the grave, took it to hell where it belonged, buried it there. And after he had got done shaking out all your sin and all my sin, he got up with no sin. And all power in his hand because he was sent to redeem us. And now he stands before you and said, come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will, I'll give you rest. Come unto me. I paid for your sin. I buried it at Calvary. And while he had all of our sin, his blood was just running all over it, just washing it away. And now he says, now look, I've already paid the price, satisfied the righteous requirement that God had imposed on sin. I fulfilled the law in my body. And now I offer to you the free gift of everlasting life. You have never and will never receive a gift that pays these kind of benefits. Watch this. Because at the end, we all must stand before the judgment seat of God. And Paul says here in the beginning, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And so we've been now set free from the legalism of trying to fulfill the law. And that's why we walk now in the power of the Spirit under the dispensation of grace. And all because God sent his son because of sinful flesh. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-574-3515. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. Folks, our current campaign with Transworld Radio is helping bring the love of Christ and the freedom... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.